Leafs thought they had a special team. Leafs thought they had a special group. Um, so much so that they let Amazon come on down and do the All or Nothing series with them and film everything. And it was all cool during the year, right? Like when they whooped Edmonton and when we saw Joe Thornton and his GoPro and like, wow, what a fun, sexy time. Now it's embarrassing. And I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I think it's going to be entertaining. I'm going to watch it. I know you're going to watch it. I know most Leafs fans are going to watch it. But I, I wonder how, if at all, you think the Leafs have feelings about it. Like they knew it was coming. But they're going to get memed to death. They're going to get dunked on all offseason. And it's going to be the lead-up to the year where it's supposed to be a fresh start. And it's like right before you get your fresh start, you're reminded of the failure of the past. Is there any internal consternation about this? Am I just being a fan and, and looking at this like way, way too closely? I don't know how much internal consternation there is. I mean, obviously, when you sign up to do something like this, uh, you know, you, you're aware that it's a possibility. You know, this – as I understand it, I think was kind of a favor asked by the NHL. It was a deal that Amazon originally struck with the league and, and, you know, wanted to make a splash. You know, I'm sure you've, if you haven't seen them, you're aware that, you know, all or nothing done stuff with Man City and, and with the All Blacks rugby team. And, you know, it kind of made sense to team up with, with one of the glamour franchises of the NHL. And so, you know, I think the Leafs went into this knowing this, this was possible that, that it might be documenting, some some a season maybe that that didn't go the way they wanted, and you know if anything I just see it potentially as a little bit more uh, fire for them because you're right yeah, I'm sure there will be some some dunking and all that you know I, I don't know how this this is going to turn out but we know how the season ended so it's it's not going to end on a happy note that that five mm-hmm. episode run that they have with all or nothing and and you know as far as I know I think it's pretty unvarnished I don't think you know unlike some of the other behind the scenes. Hmm types of shows we've seen over the last 10 years, say, in the NHL, you know, I think that Amazon had far more access and far more editorial control over what comes out here. And so, you know, even if the Leafs had gone on to won a Stanley Cup last year, I don't think everything in there would have been, you know, I think that the whole point of it is to, to grant a new level of access to the, the highs and lows of a professional season. And, and so, you know, I think it's going to be quite compelling viewing and, you know, I, I, I suspect, I actually don't know what the plan is, but, I, you know, I think we'll see another one at some point, whether it's in Toronto or somewhere else. You know, this is this is the kind of content people want. You know, we've seen with the F1 series, Drive to Survive, mm-hmm. that that's basically been a rocket booster for their sport in terms of, you know, bringing on more fans. And I think that they, we're going to see more and more of this kind of content uh, as we go forward. Yeah, I love this content. And, you know, there's going to be part of me that's going to hate watching it because everything you see is going to be undercut with what is eventually going to happen. So, like, any type of, yeah, fun or any type of enjoyment you're going to have from watching the series, you're going to remember that uh, there's the Will Arnett um, and, yeah, we lost again part of this, right? Like, that that it's going to be there. Um, I am curious to see, you know, who becomes more likable if people think Mitch Marner is either more relatable or less relatable. Like, there are some risks to the series, though. Like, you, when you put yourself out there and you have these deep dives or these um, looks behind the curtains, like, they... <sighs> They, they do come with them. There's a reason why teams haven't done them in the past. It's why the Leafs ruined 24-7 essentially the first time around is because they wouldn't give HBO the access. And HBO was like, yeah, to hell with this. We're not doing it. So to hear that they do have this kind of access, to know the track record of this series all or nothing um, is comforting. But I also, like, that's where I was going to go with the next question. And you answered it for me. But my fear was that the Leafs were going to get dunked on so many times that in a league where people hate to be embarrassed, 
that they were going to stunt their growth because of, yeah, the embarrassment of the end of this and the fact that everyone is going to take their turn making fun of it. But, yeah, um, I think that the NHL would be very, very much better off if they continue to embrace this kind of stuff and that, yeah, two years from now we see another team that gets this series. Right on. And, and you know, I think the Leafs as an organization are willing to put themselves out there. And, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they're front and center when it comes to just the NHL world as it is. There's more coverage. There's more discussion. Uh, there's more eyeballs on them, you know, even if you just look at the TV numbers, you know, than any team in the league in any given season. But, you know, I think that Kyle Dubas is, you know, certainly for this sport, a forward-thinking uh, executive. I think that Brendan Shanahan embraces a lot of this stuff. Obviously, there is the downside, and, and you know, we're going to have to see how this turns out. You know, I, I don't even have any spoilers for you about who might be a star in it. or You know, I, I haven't, but I haven't seen any advanced copies. You know, I do know that I heard, you know, basically like every time a player got injured this year, the cameras were there. Um, you know, I think that this we're going to get a a view in this just general NHL life that, you know, unless you've worked for a team and been in a dressing room, uh, you probably haven't seen before. And, you know, part of this, you know, we saw in the teasers, you know, Kyle's getting upset about something on the phone. Um, you know, I think, I think it's really cool that they were willing to do this. Uh, it came with some risk. The season didn't go their way, but you know, look, they had a fantastic regular season. You know, it's five episodes. I imagine the playoffs probably don't comprise more than one. Um, so, you know, there's, there's going to be some high moments in there too. Um, you know, a, a whole season at the end, we sort of judge it, I guess, by the final result in the playoffs. But, you know, there, there are other things that go on in a year like this. You know, Austin Matthews had his you know, arguably best season individually. Um, you know, there, there'll be some, you know, I think that there'll be some, it won't all be bad, I guess, as it goes along. It's just that that, that final episode, we know, is not going to end uh, on, on an upbeat note. Mm. Maybe I'm just not wired that way, but it's all bad to me because, again, everything is like normally I think it's unfair to judge teams based solely on the playoffs and that we do um, get a little too trapped by ring culture. But no, this year was way too different just in terms of the opportunity that was in front of them, the embarrassment to Montreal. Like if this is just a normal you lose to the Bruins year like a couple of years ago, I'm like, yeah, whatever. They lost. Uh, who cares? It, it's not going to be embarrassing or you, we can enjoy other parts of the season. This one, I for me anyways, personally, um, there's not going to be anything that I like. I'm like, wow, that was super fun. Remember when they did that? Because yes, ultimately they got embarrassed and it sucked and it sucked worse than anything that's ever sucked during my entire time as a Leafs fan. Other than when I was a kid and found out that they could have signed Wayne Gretzky and didn't. And then he went on to have more points than anybody on the team that year. Like that's what we're, or, and Cujo trade. Those ones hurt. Those, those were the ones that. But maybe you'll get more context into what was going on, right? I mean, maybe we're going to learn about it. No, I want to be informed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I of course. We're gonna get a, a view into how they handle it. Like I hope yeah. when it comes to the playoffs, like I hope there's yeah. some dressing room scenes there, and whether it's Game Five, Game Six, yep. Game Seven. Yep. Uh, the way the coaching staff was going on, like what was being said, like I, I don't know. I think we'll get a different, at least, appreciation for what how that went down behind the scenes. No, dude, that's it. I'm just saying, like, I'm not gonna really enjoy it as an entertainment product. I'm gonna be looking at it fairly or unfairly as like, oh, this is information. And this is what I find fascinating is I'm like, I, we're very much early in the stages of just dunking on this thing. And I know that I do too much in this regard. And I, some people just think I'm hot taking for the sake of hot taking, but I kind of do feel like there's some guys with real stakes in this thing. Like when we watched the Leafs HBO one, I thought Phil Kessel came off as more likable and Dion Phaneuf came off as more unrelatable and kind of cold and, yeah, just not very interesting, right? Like, I, I just didn't 
come away from watching these series thinking that. I know how I watch the F1 series, which is I'm like, I like this guy, and this guy's a douche. Like, I cannot stand Daniel Ricciardo. Like, I, that guy talks, and I'm, it's nails on a chalkboard for me. Cannot take it. Lewis Hamilton, I'm like, give me more of Lewis Hamilton. Give me more of Max Verstappen. Like, there's guys that I like in the circuit, and then there are guys that I hate. And when it comes to the Leafs, I genuinely wonder where, like, people hate this team, CJ. Like, people hate them. Like, genuinely. And... Th- I, I hate when it gets personal and no one's advocating for this, but like there are some dudes on this team right now where people are like, if they got traded for nothing, it would be like, yep, that's cool. Um, same with Kyle Dubas. Like his approval rating with his fans, like his diehards, are like through the freaking roof. But if he comes off weird in this thing where you have a lot of, th- uh, it's just going to be fodder for a lot of people. And so I can't wait to see like who the winners and losers are. And right before a season starts, right as people are trying to kind of gear themselves up to what this team could be, how it is going to formulate opinions and discussions around the team for the first, like, you know, maybe the entire year. That's a real thing. Right, and it drops, what, October 1st? I think training camp starts right. around September 22nd. Like, it's basically going to be right in the middle of training camp. Yep. You know, week week 10 days, 12 days, I don't have the schedule in front of me before the first regular season game. Like, I mean, it's going to dominate discussion for sure. Um, you know, I, I go back to this point, though. Because, I mean, look, we work in the entertainment business. Even mm-hmm. pro hockey, fundamentally, is entertainment. I, I applaud them for doing this. I mean, we, we know sure. that most organizations wouldn't have, quite frankly, um, just because they, they have certain voices or certain older school opinions. You know, we got a team in Long Island right now that's signed like three free agents and hasn't announced it yet uh, for whatever reason. Uh, this is still like in some ways this is still bizarre. You know the reason. Right. But I just but my point is, is like that there's still weird things that go on in this sport and, and it's still not all forward facing. And it's not about, you know, capturing new fans and, and you know, getting attention and, and, you know, I, I just – I think that this – I actually think this will be awesome. And you're right. They're going to have to manage it internally and externally in certain ways. Uh, you know, maybe – I wonder how many of the players will be watching themselves. I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to this onion. I think it's not just pure – you know, it'll be it'll be fascinating time around the team when this, when this thing drops. I bet you that if we sat down and did a – like who's watching this series on the team and who isn't bored? We could we could get pretty close. <laughs> we could get pretty close. I think that wouldn't be that hard to figure out who is and who isn't. Like here's my guess: John Tavares probably not going to watch the series. That's just my guess. Um, so I got to hit some other things with you. Um, Kevin Kurz yesterday reported that it looks completely unreconcilable with Evander Kane and the San Jose Sharks. There's this investigation that I guess is happening or is going to happen at some point. Like, where are we at with Evander Kane? Because no one's trading for that contract. Um, I'm guessing he's going to have to be bought out. But then there's potential if this investigation reveals something that he could be suspended. Like, what is the latest with Evander Kane? Where does it go from here? Well, it's really uncertain. The, the bio window has passed, so, you know, there's no bio coming for him this summer. And, you know, I guess what, what happens with the investigation will, will dictate in the, in the nearest terms, you know, what's immediately next for him. You know, I, I can't even speculate on whether what's, you know, been alleged here by his, his estranged wife about him throwing games and gambling on Sharks games, whether that's true or not, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it, it's pretty obvious if it is found to be true and if there's enough evidence there in the investigation you know, I would think his contract would be terminated in the event there isn't, uh, and those are unsubstantiated allegations. And you know, I think he got to be back with the team. And you know, 
what's what stands out to me about that report is you know obviously a lot of things going on behind the scenes with that that Sharks team. I mean it's it's been two years in the wrong direction. They've lost some pretty foundational members of their their core. You know everyone's just getting older. They had such a marvelous run for 15 years, and now it's heading in the wrong direction. You know, but I, I don't see. You know, if we allow ourselves to imagine that that nothing, you know, if Evander Kane, you know, who's who's maintained his innocence publicly, is is found not to have done anything wrong, and so he maintains a player that he's a player next season, I I don't see how the Sharks could move him with all this stuff around him, um, and so I think that they're in a tough spot uh, with him right now. You know, first and foremost from an NHL perspective is just figuring out you know, what's going on with, with his gambling. Uh, and if, if there's something there that needs follow up, but, you know, from, from the shark side of things, you know, if, if that doesn't lead to any, any change in his status as a player, you know, I think that they just have to try to, to move forward with him. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know where this one is going. It, it, there's sort of a few different issues at play, um, you know, and a pretty, you know, really serious allegation against him. So mm-hmm. we'll probably carry over into their training. Before we have any clarity on his situation but um you know it's a tough time a tough contract he actually had a, a good season production wise last year um but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke here that, that all is not well with with him and his standing with the team yeah and uh i know that we don't usually do takes about teams in other markets and who should get fired or whatever but especially san jose and i know doug wilson is like a absolute staple there but if this leads to a buyout considering what the market was like for Kane, where it was like the Sabres said that there was only the one team that was in on trading for him and then the rush to go out and give him that contract. And then if it ends up in this way, I would have to think that it actually is grounds for dismissal or at least a conversation around it. Right. And it will look, look at the decisions they made and, and where they, they seem to have made their errors. I mean, they, they were going all in every year on trying to win. They were, you know, they were rumored to be trying to, to acquire or acquiring any big big name that was traded. Uh, they signed some big contracts. You know, they were in on John Tavares. You know, they were one of his finalist teams when the, when the Leafs signed him a few summers ago. You know, they they make the trade for Carlson and give him a monster extension. You know, they they tried to trade for Pacioretty before he went to Vegas. I mean, they they were just going to to build this thing out and and spend to the cap and, until they won or or they got to this stage. Unfortunately. For them, it looks to me, anyways, as though they're, you know, now they just they're they're locked into too many contracts that aren't giving them enough value. They they haven't got enough young players coming up to to augment that, and they're you know they're at some point they're going to have to get into a rebuild. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, Doug Wilson has been there for so long, and they had so much success under him. You know, his son is their assistant general manager. You know, I I, I have trouble believing that he's going to lose his job or anything over that. But yeah, they they. They tried to take this thing as far as they could, and, and unfortunately, you know, we've seen a few other organizations do that, whether it's Pittsburgh or Chicago over the years, but at least those other teams mm-hmm. put some Stanley Cup banners in, in the rafters, and you can live with some of the, the, the tough contracts on the other end of it, and, and the Sharks, unfortunately, have to live with that, and they didn't quite get over the hump. So, rapid fire here. I'll try to get you out in five minutes. Um, Krilly Kaprizov, is he going to take a $10 million contract offer and stay in Russia, or do you get the sense that the Wild are going to bend and give him something um, that maybe we've never seen before? Well, look, this is a leverage play, uh, you know, having this come out publicly, uh, because he doesn't have much other leverage. He's got one of those uh, entry-level deals where he's actually not able to sign uh, an offer sheet, even if a team came forward with one. 
And so the only way to, to, to get more money out of your NHL team in this case is to refuse to come and, and play, refuse to show up to training camp, try to, to go that route. Mm-hmm. Russian player, he spent a number of years in the KHL where he's comfortable. Um, you know, I don't know how this, this plays out. I think, you know, Minnesota's offseason is, is kind of a strange one with the, the Suter and Prize buyouts just because of how how big of a roadblock those are going to be for the next, you know, this coming season's fine, but the, the, the next three beyond it, you know, it, it comes with some huge challenges, a lot of dead cap money. Um, but, you know, this guy is probably the, the most exciting star that's ever played for the Wild, potentially, anyway. I know it was only 55 or 60 games, whatever, but, um, you know, I, I have to believe that this leads to a contract resolution. You know, it doesn't doesn't suit his needs at this point as much as it would be nice to, to put 10 million bucks in your pocket uh, to go back to Russia. I don't think, you know, he had such a great first season. I think the, the Wild need him. Uh, but right now, it's it's a, it's been a contract negotiation where there hasn't been much movement of late. You know, so you got to try to push the levers you got, and, and one of them for him is at least to have it floated out there that he could, could go home and, and, you know, spend the season not in Minnesota. How dare you disrespect Marion Gabrick like that? Um, that's that's number one. That's the wild sky, all right? It's Gabrick forever. Um, last one, Jack Eichel. Now Robin Leonard's weighing in. Um, I can't believe that we're in August and nothing has happened. What is going on here? Well, there's not a hot market for him, right? I mean, there's there's lots of teams that would like to have him, but there's there's not a big bidding war going on because there's no urgency, right? I mean, I, I think we talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago. As, as soon as you got through the draft, yeah. like the, the danger is, you know, then the teams don't have the reason, the same, you know, urgency to make that deal. If you make that deal on on the day one of pick from that night, you know, at least if you're Buffalo, you get to go at the player right away to your organization. I think you know that's why you saw some of the trade that went down. Uh, that day, like the Seth Jones trade, for example, where Chicago sent a first rounder that Columbus was able to pick right away. Uh, you know that that's that's kind of the pressure point to make that deal on that day. As soon as you got past, you know, July 23rd or whenever the first round of the draft was, I, I think it goes into more of a holding pattern until basically you're getting to training camp. Right. The next question is, well, first of all, Jack Jack Eichel's health is still a murky situation, but um, you know, I, I could see this going into. I'm above the belief he will be moved this off season, but you don't have like five teams bidding against each other, driving the price up right now because you know it's August. Let's face it, a number of GMs around the league have put the gone fishing sign up at the office, uh, and I, I just don't sense. You know, we're seeing some RFAs sign contracts. I know there's arbitration for a few players pending, but there's not a lot of business being done generally around the NHL right now. And so, you know, I, I think this is a let's let's wait until. Start of camps. Who makes a push? And you know, at some point, Buffalo is just going to have to, to take the best deal on the table, I think, and, and move on. And mm-hmm. you know, depending on Jack's health, and, and you know, I root for all players to be healthy. So let's hope he can get back to being a player that, that he's shown he's capable of. You know, it's probably not going to be a trade the Sabers win if that's the case. But you know, this is this is a cap world, and and you know, there's it's just a lot of complications around this particular transaction. And, and once again, on the other side of the draft, it's just a tougher trade to make. You're the best, buddy. Um, hopefully I see you soon and uh, we hit a Jays game. Uh, thanks for doing this. No problem. I'm in Toronto next week. Maybe we'll ca- grab a beer, if not a Jays game. So, Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I'll be in touch. Talk to you later, CJ. Uh, okay. That's Chris Johnson, a man who is rich with uh, Bitcoin.